Let us pray. In your name, Jesus, may the words of our hearts and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So if you were walking down the street and you came upon somebody who was standing like this, blindfolded, with a cardboard sign, anything could be on it. If you're depressed, if you're heartbroken, if you suffer from anxiety, if you just need a hug, would you do it? It's so interesting to me that in a culture where we worry a lot about what people think of us, those folks that took the opportunity to run up to somebody, they didn't care about any of that. So in the midst of life, here stands this person, arms wide open, just ready to give. You know, when I first saw it, I thought, oh my gosh, they're blindfolded. What if somebody would come up to them and push them or spit on them or knock them down? But they weren't concerned about that. They felt called to just stand out there all vulnerable-like and offer hugs to anybody who needed them. So at this point in the meditation, you're thinking, I'm going to ask all of you to go out on a street corner and have a sign <laughs> and blindfold yourself. I I'm not going to do that. I'm going to ask you to receive the hugs and the love and the touches you're given by those around you. To stop. To just stop when you need a hug and there's people around you. You can even start with your family and those are who are familiar to you. And oh my gosh, it can change everything. Human touch, right? So there's a therapist named Virginia Satire. She once said, we need four hugs a day to survive. We need eight hugs a day for maintenance. We need 12 hugs a day for growth. And while that may sound like a lot of hugs, it seems that more hugs are better than less hugs. So how many hugs do we need for optimal health? Well, according to the best science, we should have as many as possible if we want to reap the greatest benefits from hugs. So unfortunately, most Western people today, especially in the, in the United States, they're touch-deprived, right? Many people live in solitary, busy lives with reduced opportunities for social interaction, right? We can work from our home office or computers or laptops wherever we are. We can go to the bank. We can even pick up groceries. We can do just about anything without any human action whatsoever. No human touch. Maybe not even a face looking at us. And we're in danger of survival. We're in danger of our mental health. So our modern social conventions often push people out, right? When we start to feel sad, our inclination is to hide under a rock and to hide. And so the question would be is, are there folks out there who you're missing, who would love to hug you, who would love to encourage you, who would love to be your cheerleader? So if you want to feel better about yourself, if you want to reduce your stress, if you want to improve communication and be happier and healthier, it seems that giving hugs 
and receiving hugs is a really good place to start. And if you feel nervous about asking for hugs, ask for those you know, friends, family members, because it turns out the science proves that regular hugs with those closest to you, even if it's brief, even if it's a quick drive-by hug, special positive effects on your brain and your body and your heart. We watched the kid video, oh my goodness, love those videos, right? And where did Jesus go? Right in here, in your heart. The power of touch, especially in adversity. So I take you to Isaiah 43 and talk about rough waters. I love the interpretation that Dave read, it's by the message. And it's actually titled, When You're in Between a Rock and a Hard Place. And I love that. What do you do when you're in between a rock and a hard place? Who can you call out to, not only for the hug, but for rescue? And there is God. And these words, they're so personal. And I want you to hear them as personal. God saying, don't be afraid. I've redeemed you. I've called you by name and you are mine. Every time I hear in scripture, I call you by name, I go automatically to the garden on the morning of the resurrection. And Mary is frantic worrying about where the body is and, hey, it's the gardener. And it's when Jesus speaks her name, Mary, that all life returns. Her sadness dissipates. Her hope is restored. Now, Jesus will not be walking the earth anymore. He didn't come back and go, hey, Mary, all is good. We're just going to go back to normal. No, right? And just like in Isaiah 43, still in the waters of adversity. But God is right there. When you're in over your head, I'm going to be with you. When you're in the rough waters, well, I'm not going to let you go down. When you're between that rock and a hard place, it won't be a dead end. You may think it is, but it's not because I am God. I'm your God. Let's make it personal. I'm also the God of Israel. So what we know is when this was written, that the people of Israel had been in captivity for 60 years. We saw in the video, right? All these years had passed, and the sun came up, and then the moon, and it kept going, and it going 60 years in captivity, in rough waters. And God was there the whole time. And I love the part of this beautiful scripture where Isaiah, the prophet, is saying this to the people of Israel, Isaiah being God's mouthpiece. Because I am your God, your personal God, the holy of Israel, your savior, I paid a huge price for you. All of Egypt. That's how much you mean to me. That's how much you and you and you and you mean to me. Amazing. I'd sell the whole world to get you back, says God. I'd trade creation for you. So don't be afraid. I am with you. So imagine we had some folks up here and you could hear different voices. We would have a man and who would say, when I when I am passed over for promotion because the office politics take precedence over experience, 
I have to remember the words of the Lord, which are, I have called you by name and you are. And then a woman steps forward. When I am belittled because of my gender and my work as a mother is trivialized. I remember the words of the Lord, I have called you by name and you are. An elderly person steps forward. When I am discouraged because of my age and my illnesses, I remember the words of the Lord. I have called you by name and you are a teenage voice. When I am ostracized, when I am left out because of my beliefs and moral standards, because they're different from the norm, I remember the words of the Lord. I have called you by name and you are and then the voice of a child. When kids bully me because I'm different, I remember the words of the Lord, I have called you by name and you are. May we all remember the words of the Lord. Do not fear for I am with you. So what does the Bible say and what doesn't the Bible say? So there is a misnomer out there and I, I'm here to point it out. How many times have I said, have you said, God will never give you more than you can handle? Do you think that's in the Bible? Nowhere in the Bible does it say, God will not give you more than you can handle. Many Christians believe it to be so, but you won't find it there. So we need to be careful because of the words of the prophet Isaiah in today's Old Testament reading. We can easily misunderstand it and misapply it. So when God says through the prophet, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. God is not saying, I will not give you more than you can handle. Nor is God promising, this too shall pass. Also not in the Bible. No, the message is really different when you're going through the waters of adversity. Psalm 23, when you're traveling through the valley of the shadow of death, I will be with you. God doesn't remove the valley, but God leads us to still, to still waters, right? We're out in the ocean, right? And we're adrift. We see the disciples, right? And they're out there and they're afraid. And here comes Jesus. They think he's a ghost because he's far off. And somehow he gets a little closer and Peter goes, oh my gosh, it's Jesus. And he jumps out of the boat and he's walking on water till all of a sudden it says a breeze hits him and he realizes what he's doing and he begins to sink. Does Jesus stay out there? No. Before he even knows what's happening. All he knows is he's sinking. All of a sudden Jesus is there, right? Scooping him up out of the water. We need a savior who doesn't stay on the shore, right? This isn't TV. We don't need Jesus to be a lifeguard and wait for us, right, to come out, get us out, and go on again. Jesus, our Savior, needs to be in the water. And that's what God is saying to the people of Israel who've been exiled. That's what Jesus is saying to us today. I'm not a Savior who's far off. I'm a Savior who's right here. I'm right here. It's amazing to me how present God is. And how sometimes it's we who wonder where God is. God doesn't move. 
Jesus doesn't leave us. Jesus promises to be with us. And we, when we say words like, I feel so far away, and my gosh, they, they're true, right? We've all been there. I feel like Jesus is so far away. Jesus hasn't moved. We can decide to turn our back for a while. We can decide to go off. We can sometimes just get lost, right, in the hustle and bustle of life, right? Clergy, right? We open our Bibles to do sermons and to do the work. But that's different than prayer, right? Jesus is like, I'm here in the midst of the waters, and I know you by name. And you know who you belong to? Me. Me. I've got you, right? How powerful and how compassionate. In the name of Jesus. So our little scripture for today, really, you hear at Christmas. All of the names that describe Jesus' power. We picture Jesus as the good shepherd, and he is. We picture Jesus as the kingly host that welcomes us into the kingdom. But we don't talk a lot about Jesus, who has all the power. And not just a far-off power. For you, for me, in our lives. I remember going into a hospital, and I believe, I'll, I'll, I'll share this, it was Roy Sequin's mother, who I'd never met, get to the hospital, she is unconscious. And I've done a variety of things when I visit people who are unconscious, and I'm there with Roy, and it's a beautiful moment. Here's his mom, and I kind of don't know what to do. And all of a sudden, I remembered that you can bless people. And so I put my, my hand on her head, and I'll never forget it because it's the first time I did it. And I put my hand on her head, and I blessed her. In the name of Jesus, right? I bless you. And I never forgot it. And after that, I thought, ooh, I can go hootie wild with blessing. I can bless everybody, and I'm going to do it today. But it's not really me, right? Just like the prophet Isaiah. It's Jesus. What would it mean for you to look at somebody, a friend who's talking to you, saying, man, I am having such a hard time. And you let them share and you let them talk and then you lean over and you touch their arm and you say, I bless you in the name of Jesus. I pray over you in the name of Jesus. How great would it be if someone did that to you? Swirling waters, raging rivers, searing fires, all in the Old Testament and God is faithful and Jesus is God. And we see compassion with Jesus. And how, like these people out there with arms wide open, is Jesus every day, every day saying, come on in, come on in, I got you. What's really incredible is that we have a community of faith. And so often we can see Jesus in the lives of one another. There was a woman not too long ago in the life of the church who had a great loss, a death in her life, and she loved, she used to sing in the choir, then she was singing the pews, and she didn't come for a long time. And eventually she came, and one of her friends would notice that after many visits, she still wasn't singing. She'd open the hymnal, this is before screens, and she would follow the words, but she wouldn't sing the words, and the friend, meaning well, leaned over and said, you know, so-and-so, if you sing the words, you're going to feel a lot better. And you know what she said? 
I won't until I'm ready to sing the words. I need you all to sing the words. That's a hug. How can you give hugs with your words? But maybe someone isn't open to a touch. Hey, I'm listening. How you doing? And stick around for the answer. Littlest thing, a little sticky note, a little text, whatever it is, I'm thinking about you today. I give God thanks for you today. Hey, remember that time? That meant the world to me. How can we hug people? How can we touch people with our words? And there's Jesus, all-powerful Jesus, born as that little baby who pops up in the manger. He doesn't look very powerful. We certainly didn't ask for a Messiah that came like a baby. We were expecting a big warrior and a big horse and a big army. And that's not how Jesus works, right? And Jesus has street cred. When Jesus passed through a storm on the Sea of Galilee, God was with him. When he faced oppositions by the scribes and the Pharisees, his own religious leaders, right? He was not overwhelmed. When he walked through Holy Week and that walk to the cross, he made it every step of the way. And even in his death on the cross, his life did not end, nor does ours. And on Easter morning, God worked powerfully to raise Jesus to new life. And Jesus is the one who teaches us, do not fear, I am with you. Jesus is the one who invites us into the community of the people that we have here. Jesus is the one who calls us by name. Jesus is the one who shows us how to love somebody, how to love ourselves, right? What is the commandment, right? Love your neighbor as yourself. We're really good at the loving the neighbor, but we're not so good at loving ourselves. But it turns out, according to Jesus, that when you learn to love yourself, you can love a whole lot more to other people. So when you pass through the waters, Jesus is with you, and you may be in the midst of a storm right now. Jesus isn't on the shore watching, waiting for you to go under. Jesus is right there helping you catch your breath, helping you to float. And if you're walking through the valley of the shadow of death or some crisis in your life, yeah, I think you should just hop on his back. Just hop on. Let him carry you for a while. So I wanted to bless you, and I discovered this song a few months ago, and I reached out to Sandy and to Pam, and it's a song by sung by Katie Nicole called In Jesus' Name, in parentheses, God of the Possible. And I'll read you the first line, and then I'm going to let them sing it to you, and I hope you receive it as the gift that it is for you. I speak the name of Jesus over you. In your hurting, in your sorrow, I will ask my God to move. I speak the name because it's all that I can do. In desperation, I'll seek heaven, and I'll pray this for you. I pray for your healing, that circumstances would change. I pray that the fear inside would flee in Jesus' name. And I pray that a breakthrough would happen for you today. And I pray miracles over your life in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Come to believe it. Come to receive it like the hug 
like the touch of Christ that it is. Accept the power of Jesus within you, the Holy Spirit that lives and moves inside you. And in the mighty name of Jesus that I pray over you today, remember that with him, all things are possible. Amen.